All right, John 12, uh, verse number 44, all the way to the end of the chapter. Shall we read it together? John 12, 44, until the end. Reading, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come light into the world, and whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words, and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word which I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say, and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is the life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing us through another week. Thank you for keeping the new students safe as they come to study here. Thank you for bringing them into our midst. Our gracious Father, we pray that as we study your word, you would open our eyes and help us to truly understand the truth. And the truth will set us free. We pray that um, we will um, be willing to submit to your truth and receive it as from the living God. So speak to us. Once again, Father, we pray that you cleanse us and wash us of all our sins. Lord, you know our thoughts when we have sinned against you in words, in deed, in the thoughts in our hearts. Father, you, you see and you know. We pray that you forgive us even as we repent. Cleanse us and wash us in the blood of Christ. Lord, be in our midst. We have been tired through a long day. We pray that you would help us to concentrate and remove every distraction and tiredness. Be with us now, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we stopped. Now for those who have just joined us, uh, from chapter 1 of the Gospel of John all the way to chapter 12 now, the focus all the while is the Lord Jesus always um, telling the people that He is the Son of God. Alright, so it's one of the key um, focus in the book of John, that He is the Son of God. So if, if you wonder what is the key focus of the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Meaning to say that He is God, the very God. So when Jesus says, I'm the Son of God, means He's declaring that He is God Himself. Understand that? So that is the key focus so far. And then all the while, while He was um, living on earth, He performed miracles, but yet the, many of them rejected Him. They won't want to believe in Him. They, um, they refuse to uh, believe that He's the Son of God. And many of them who even know that He's the Son of God, but they refuse to accept it because they wanted to remain powerful religious powerful religious leader if they admit that Jesus is God then they will lose their position all right so that is what has been happening thus far all right so now it continues it continues the people are still arguing with Jesus now who are you who are you who are you who are you but actually in the heart they knew already that he's God and the Lord Jesus continued to warn them and told them this in verse 44. Now, Jesus, Jesus said aloud, he cried, and he said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Now, what is, why did the Lord Jesus say this? 
Because remember the Pharisees up to now, they keep saying, oh, we believe in God the Father. We believe in God. We believe in God. They keep saying that. And the Lord Jesus came to a point they say, well, now if you um, believe in God the Father, then you should believe in what He said about me. And He said this, now if you don't believe about what God has said about me, that I am the Son of God, that I came to die for your sins, then you cannot say that you believe in God. Understand that? Right, so that is the point Jesus is making. All the while you claim to believe, because they were Jews, you tyrant, uh, they were Jews. They keep saying, we believe in, in God, in God. So Jesus said, if you don't believe what I told you, don't pretend. All right? You do not believe in the living God, because he has already told you about me. And then next he says, verse 45, And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Why is he also saying this? Now these people, they see Jesus Christ. They see his life on earth. Now he's saying that when you see me, you actually are seeing God the Father. Is it true or not? Turn to Colossians chapter 1. So we help our friends to turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. You can share your Bibles with them. What did Jesus come to do? And what did he say? Now this is something you and I must realize. Okay, Colossians chapter 1. Now verse 15. Okay. Now, who is Jesus? Here, the Apostle Paul tells us, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, shall we read together? This is Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now, this is the description of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, because God can't be seen, God is a spirit, right? But when Jesus Christ came on earth, He could physically show to them who God is. Because he's the express image, means he is the replica. He himself is God on earth. Now, how then you say, oh, so God have ears, God have eyes, God have nose? He's not saying that. He's saying that my character, my life, and my teaching, what I've said, if you hear what I say, you see what I do, it is as good as seeing the invisible God. Why? Because he is God. Understand that? So he kept telling them, I am God. You see me, you see what I do, what I tell you. It's literally meeting God himself because I am the express image of the invisible God. Then he says, the firstborn of every creature. All right, he will be, when he resurrection, at his resurrection, he will be the first to receive the immortal body. But anyway, so remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, the very God. Now let's turn back to John chapter 12. Okay, John chapter 12. Now he continues to tell them, You refuse to believe what I say. Verse 46, he said, I come a light into the world, and whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Now what is he saying here? He's saying this, If you believe what I tell you, what I've been telling you, if you believe my words, what I've been doing, you believe. Then he says, you will not abide in darkness. You do not walk in darkness. In other words, my friends, if you do not believe in what God says, you are living in darkness. But you say, but there's a lot of light. <laughs> the dorm is very bright. School, university is well lit. I don't live in darkness. But the Lord Jesus is referring to spiritual darkness. There is no light outside the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what he's saying. I am the living God. I tell you what is true. That besides me, there is no spiritual light. Light that will illuminate you, that will cause you to understand 
and that will lead you to heaven. There's no other way to heaven. So the Lord Jesus continued to tell them, there is no other way you can know God. When you, when you, when you see light means you see God. There's no way you can know God except through me. Through me. But they refuse. They refuse. So he says, he's basically reminding all of us, my friends, if you do not believe in what God says, means you abide in darkness. That's why I ask question number one. Can a true believer, if he says, I believe in God the Father, but not in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry, what I mean is, can, can, can a person be a true believer if he says this? I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Are there those that are like that? Today, there are. Right? There are. Um, someone asked once before, the Jews today, the Jews in Israel today, do they, can they be saved? Are they saved? They believe in God. They read the Old Testament, they believe in God. Can they be saved? Are they true believers? What do you think from this verse? So far, the Lord Jesus says, you reject me, you reject my words, you cannot claim to believe in God. You do not believe in Him. You cannot be saved. All right? So the Jews today, as long as they continue to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, which they do, they still abide in darkness. Very sad. But one day the Lord will open their eyes. All right? So remember that. Now he says this. So I ask you, can a true believer say that? No, cannot. Cannot. Now, during um, the old day at Murdoch, who's from Murdoch? From Mur at Murdoch, all right. When I was at Murdoch, a Muslim came up to our stall, all right, came up to a stall, and actually it happens almost every year. <laughs> now, either the Muslims will come or Jehovah Witnesses will come, and then they will stand there and talk to one of us for an hour, all right. And every year is the same thing, all right, for the Muslims, for the Jehovah Witnesses. They will always only want to talk about one thing and one thing only. What do you think it is? The only one thing they want to convince you is Jesus is not God. <laughs> Jesus is not God. And then they will quote many verses in the Bible to try and prove to you that Jesus is not God. Alright, so remember we just did that in the previous week, um, uh, in the previous chapters and all that. Which is the best chapter to prove that Jesus is God? And the Jews did not like that he is God. John chapter 10. Alright, John chapter 10. Right, John chapter 10. Which verse? Look at verse 30. Right? Now, verse 30. When Jesus says, I and my Father are one, then the Jews took up stones to stone him. Then the Lord Jesus asked in verse 32, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which one of those do you stone me? Verse 33, The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Alright, understand that? So the moment Jesus said, I and, the, I and my Father are one, and he said, I am God's Son, immediately the Jews know that Jesus is claiming to be God. What did they do? They immediately went to stone him. Right? So many people say, no, Jesus did not say that he's God. Jesus keeps saying that he's God to the point where people want to stone him to death. Understand that? It's very clear. He claimed to be God and they didn't like it. They want to stone him. All right? So, um, just like today, the Muslim said to me, he said, Jesus is a man. How can, man, how can a man claim to be God? Look at verse 30. Look at verse 33. The Jews answered him saying, 
for good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because thou being a man, makest thyself God. It's exactly the same statement. How can a man claim to be God? Jesus claimed to be God and they wanted to stone him immediately. Alright, so be very clear about that. Of course, there are many other verses. I want you to be very clear in your heart, my friend, my young Christian friends. Why I say that? Today, there are Christians who do not believe in the virgin birth. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came through Virgin Mary. They say, oh, it's not possible. There are Christians today who do not believe that. There are Christians today who do not believe God created the world. They say we came from monkeys. There are Christians today who do not believe that the Bible is perfect. The Bible has errors. In fact, when I was arguing with um, this Muslim, he kept showing me that, he kept telling us, your Bible has errors. Your Bible is wrong. I prove to you. And I say, how do you prove to me? He said, new NIV and uh, other versions say that Jesus is not God. Because 1 Timothy 3, 16 is very clear. God is manifest in the flesh. He said, I'll show you your Bibles. It doesn't say God. It says He. Right? So he said, your Bible has errors. The same. But today, Christians don't believe the Bible is perfect. They don't believe God created the world. They don't believe Jesus Christ came through virgin birth. Do you think that very soon, maybe when you grow older, Emily, your Christian friends may say, what's the big deal whether Jesus is God or not? Because today Christians say that, what's the big deal whether God created the world or not? What's the big deal if whether Jesus came through the virgin birth? What's the big deal? Remember we watched that video we screened once when they interviewed the Christians in America? Say, what's the big deal whether we came from monkeys or the earth is old or young? What's the big deal? The Lord Jesus Christ says what? If you reject my words, now look at verse 48. Now, if you reject me and receive not my words, there's one that will judge him. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 48. John chapter 12, verse 48. If you, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. What God says, the Lord Jesus has been trying to tell them, what I tell you is truth. Now, if you reject, then you're rejecting truth. If you're rejecting truth, then you will face judgment one day. Can a person, maybe I ask my new friends, all right? Can a person, can a Christian, or can a person be saved if he do not believe that Jesus is God? Because I'm, from chapter 1 up to chapter 12, uh, the argument is going on with the Pharisees. You're not God, you're not God, you're not God, you're not God. And up to this point, the Lord Jesus now says, in fact, let's read this first, huh? Now, verse 50, And I know that his commandment is everlasting life. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so speak I. So he said, I'm telling you truth. The truth for everlasting life. Eternal salvation. Hmm? I'm telling you how to be saved. Okay? What I tell you, I've been telling you that I'm God, but you've been rejecting it. And I'm telling you that what I tell you is what will lead you to everlasting life, that I am God. So can a person who do not believe that Jesus is God, can he be saved? Cannot. Why? Why? Oh, anyone can try. Your, your answer number one is correct. <laughs> now it's the details. Right? It's, yeah, cannot. Why? Right. Now, if you do not believe that Jesus is God, means Jesus is just a man, right? If Jesus were just a man, 
then is Jesus perfect? No man is perfect. All men are sinners. Then can a sinner's death save you? Cannot. Right? And only God can die and pay infinitely for our sins. Right? If Jesus is not, if he's a mere man, too cold. Too cold or too hot? Oh, okay, too cold. Because right. I thought the fan went up. No. Because he's always hot. So, so all this it must be very clear in your heart, my friends. Young people, this must be very deeply engrafted in your heart. That Jesus is the Son of God, He is God Himself. When He walked on earth, the biggest issue that, that it was then was they rejected Him as God. Today, it is still the same. Right? No change. Now, and I also shared once, right? We had someone among us who used to come for Youth 180 Fellowship. And um, one day he started to stay in the dorm or some, uh, flat. Then he had friends who kept convincing him that Jesus is not God. And then one day he came to church and said, Jesus is not God. I can show you from the Bible. Same again. Show me from what Bible? NIV. <laughs> the same. Right? The same. He says, see, it, it says, my friends told me it's not. It's true. I think it's, he's right. Jesus is not God. Very sad. So, so that is why the Lord Jesus kept telling them, you cannot reject what I say. So I'll ask you this question in question number one. <coughs> oh, sorry, question number... Um, another one, which is further down. Where is it now? Okay, question number three. Now I ask you, are there any parts of God's word that you cannot accept? Are there? You have to be very careful. Because today, in schools and all that, they're training you. They're training you. The Bible is not real. There's no such thing as miracles. Jesus is not God. The world came from a huge explosion. God did not create this world. And then you listen, 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 and then, but yet the Bible tells you otherwise. Are there parts of the Bible that you don't accept? I hope not, because the Lord in this passage makes it very clear. If you reject my words, you are rejecting the words of God the Father. Alright, so I hope you settle this thing in your heart. Now the next thing, let's move quickly. So he, he kept emphasizing, I am God. Don't reject. You reject me, you reject the Father. Now he says now this, verse 47, okay? Now without Christ, verse 46, without Christ you abide in darkness. Verse 47, And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Alright, so we stop here. Okay, listen carefully. Eh? If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, um, so now I ask a question. Uh, verse question number two. Jesus said he did not come to judge the world, right? And say, if you don't believe my words, it's okay. I'm not here to judge you. Is that what Jesus is saying? Right, be very careful. Huh? Is that what he's saying? Now, I want you to look at chapter 5, verse 22. Chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus said, I did not come to judge the world. Now, what does he mean? Chapter 5, verse 22. Ray is getting a bit hot. Is it off? No. Oh. All right. Now, here it says, 
for the chapter 5 verse 22 for the father judges no man but has committed all judgment to the son hmm? so the bible tells us that the father is not going to judge but jesus christ is going to judge right and then you also um, look at chapter 5 verse 27 chapter 5 verse 27 now it says the father have given him jesus christ authority to execute judgment also because he's the son of man again he say god the father is making jesus judge and then you also look at chapter 9 verse 39 chapter 9 verse 39 now here the lord jesus himself said this let's read together and jesus said for judgment i'm come into this world that they which see might see and they which see might be made blind so the lord says the lord jesus himself said for judgment i come into this world so the lord god father will give him the power to judge the lord jesus said i came to this world to judge but yet here he says i come not to judge the world but to save the world what do you think he is saying is he saying i'm not going to judge the world we know from the other passage he is going to judge the world all right so how do you explain this is jesus contradicting himself what do you think anyone want to try you want to try um natalie right <laughs> yeah remember your name what do you think jesus is saying hmm? all right he teach he want to teach people to be kind and he's not going to judge anyone hmm but then we just read earlier that jesus says i come to judge the world all right so how how to understand that how to understand that um anyone else want to try jian right oh yeah um it was like here that men they touch themselves when they um listen jesus and not um mm-hmm. they cannot not speak in that Mm-hmm. and then that will be their judgment yes. yeah all right so yes um what he said is the lord jesus is saying that well i've told you the truth you don't believe one day that is going to judge you right that's what you just said right yeah. actually how how do we know that all right because he says down there all right uh, verse 48 uh yeah all right verse 48 he that rejecteth me and reject and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word which that i have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day right so the lord jesus is not saying that oh don't worry i am not here to judge you i love you um do whatever you want i'm not here to judge you all i want is to save you no he clarified the next verse he clarified that there is one that judges him. Who is this one? Who is this one? Say again. The father. Uh, uh, but he explains. Yes, the father. But just now we read. The father will give the Lord Jesus all the power to judge. The father will not be doing the judging. He gave the son all the power. Right? Alright? So you look at the verse carefully. Right? Carmen's eyes was very big. Maybe she knows. Alright? There is one there is one that judges him <laughs> there's one that judges him verse 48 look at it carefully he said if you reject me you reject my words there is one that will judge you 
Who is this one? Verse 48. Or what is this one? Shenri? Himself. Hey, what do you mean himself? The one that, because there's two, com two comings of Christ, so the judgment will come in his second coming, and their own unbelief will judge them, and because he is the word, the word so he speaks us. Um, okay, look at verse 48 carefully. The answer is all there. Okay, who is an English student? <laughs> Alright, this is just straightforward. The, huh? the words, right? There is one that judgeth him. What is it? Colon, the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him. The word that Jesus Christ has spoken, right? Like what you explained just now. What I've told you, you reject and keep rejecting and keep rejecting. You don't believe. But one day, those things that I've said to you that you have rejected, when you stand at judgment, they will judge you. My words will judge you. Right? Understand that? So my friends, if you keep rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, no, I cannot believe, I don't know. But, the God, but God says one day what He has said will judge you. It will judge you. And then, then time you will realize in your own heart, yes, I have rejected the truth. Maybe I'll just share other parts of the Bible. Um, for um, Sunny and all that when you read the Bible there's one part that says one day every knee will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ and every tongue will confess alright so what God has revealed the future is he says that now you do not believe that I'm God but one day when God comes to judge the world whether people who believe or don't believe they will all kneel down and they will finally say yes you are God they have to admit one day that will happen, alright? So this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. One day, all the things that I've said to you, they will judge you because you will know that it's true. No choice, alright? So it's a bit like you take an exam, right? You get, no, 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 this is not the right answer, this is not the right answer. But one day when the exam result come out, oh, that's the right answer. No choice, I have to admit this is the right answer, right? So no matter what, we reject God, but it is the truth. It is the truth. One day we will face that judgment, okay? So now, so this is not saying that Jesus loves everyone and he's not going to judge the world. In fact, he says, I will judge, but when? It is later. All he's saying now, I come, this time I come. This trip that I come to earth, to be born of a virgin, this time I come, I'm not here to judge you. I want to save you. How? By telling you the truth. Understand that? I keep telling you the truth, how to be saved. I keep telling you. I'm, I'm not here to judge you, but I say one day, one day I will come in Revelation. One day I will come and I will judge the world. Right? So you know there's a second coming of Jesus, right? Um, those who go to church, you said first coming, he came as a born a virgin. He came to die for our sins, right? to save us. But we continue to live, we reject him. Jesus Christ said he'll be coming back one more day. Second coming of the Lord Jesus. That time he will come back to judge. That time we will be judged. Alright? Then too late. If we rejected him, then you say, Oh, Lord Jesus, sorry, sorry, I rejected you all the while. Too late. The judgment will start. Okay? That is what happened the second time. Judge. So now he said, This trip, I'm not here to judge. I want to save. But next trip I come back, I will I'll be coming back as a judge, not as a savior. Huh? So like your parents tell you. Uh, you listen to me this time. This time, I'm very kind to you. You listen to me. You obey me. All right? But the next time, I tell you again, the next time when I come back from work, you're like that, I'm going to punish you. 
Hmm? First time warning for us to repent, to turn to Him, to believe in Him. Second time, judgment. Alright, so when the Lord Jesus says, alright, Natalie, for this one, the Lord Jesus says, this time I'm not here to judge, I'm here to save you. Which means now we believe in the Lord Jesus, then we will be saved. Next time, too late. Too late. Don't wait till the second coming. Alright, that is what he's saying. Understand that? So, now, so because, now, many of the people like to quote this verse. Question number two, how do you answer those who use this verse to say, Christians therefore should not judge? Have or not? You have Christian friends to say that, why you judge? Why why you judge homosexuals? Why you judge people who who who, who commit adultery? Why you judge people who steal? Why you judge? just be loving? Don't don't judge. Is this verse saying that? No. This verse is saying, I come to tell you all these things are sin. Homosexuality is sin. I tell you now so that you repent of that, so that you won't be judged later. Understand? I tell you that stealing, lying. Adultery, all these are sin. I tell you now, I want to save you. Repent from that. Turn to me. Because later, what I tell you will judge you. Alright, so understand that? So this is not, um, don't judge. It is, actually how to, how to preach the gospel if you don't judge. Huh? Is it possible? Is it possible? Is it possible to tell people, um, you're not a sinner. You're very good and God wants to save you. The moment you tell you are a sinner, you need to be safe. You're judging the person. Is oh, you call me sinner? What do you think I am? You know who are you calling me a sinner? Huh? How can you call me such a terrible thing? The moment you preach the gospel, you are already needing to tell them of God's judgment. You can't avoid it. But why do you say that? Because you love them. I love you. You know you have parents who are not safe, or friends, or relatives. You want to tell them that we are sinners. We need Jesus Christ to save us. Because you love them, not because you want to judge them. You're a sinner. No, because we love them. Right? That's why people don't understand why do Christians say these things are sin? Simply because there is a judgment to come. All right? So that is why we warn people of judgment. Alright, so now next. Now here, the Lord Jesus is going to say one thing which we must be very, very aware of. Uh, verse now, verse 48, let me read to you. He that receive, rejecteth me and receiveth not my words. Now, then verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself. Alright, then verse 50. And I know this commandment is everlasting life. Then in the last part, so speak I, or so I speak. Now, Jesus keeps talking about words and speaking, words and speaking, words and speaking, right? He keeps saying words and speaking. And he said these words and speaking will bring everlasting life. How can you know how to be saved? How? God's word. He's saying that. My words, my words, what I speak, what I say, is everlasting life. You want to, you want to know how to be saved? Don't go and read funny books. Don't go and listen. Someone say, oh, you know, someone died and then he came back out from the grave. Uh, then if you believe in this, believe in that. No, just believe what God says. He said, my words is what saves you. The word of God is very, very important. As Christians, you cannot don't read God's word. God's word is the only thing that will bring you light, that will help you to know how to be saved. Alright? And how to be saved? What did Jesus have been telling them all the while? He says, we are all sinners. 
There's only one way to heaven. I am the way, the truth and the life. No other way. You do good works. You cannot save yourself. You simply need to come to me, admit that you're a sinner, ask me to save you. I will save you. And then follow me. That, that is what he's been telling them, the words. All right? So if you want to know how to be saved, that is what Jesus has said. Okay, so now, so he, he's been arguing with them. Remember, all these are Jesus arguing with the Pharisees. Huh? So you imagine if you, if you are in those days, you stand down there, then you see the Pharisees always arguing with Jesus. No, you're not God, you're not God, you're not God. You don't believe you're God. And then Jesus keeps explaining to them. Keep explaining, explaining. So for 12 chapters already, it's been happening. All right? So this is what the story is about. He's still trying to convince them. Still trying to convince them. Okay, so now... Many also like to quote this, uh, this chapter here. And he says, look at verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Alright? So there's some people who quote this. They say, Jesus is not God. You see, he's no body. He's just on earth. Whatever God tells him to do, he do. Understand? He's just a prophet. You know prophet? He's just a prophet. You see, he's just a prophet. He, just, he, he even tells people, I'm just a prophet. Whatever God tells me to do, to say, I say. Jesus himself says he's a prophet. He is not God. How to explain that? How to explain that? Because it's the same today, you know, they're, they're saying that. Just like Jesus' time. How to explain that? Sounds like, oh yeah, yeah huh? Jesus just, like he don't have a mind of his own. How can he be God? He's just like a robot. Everything that God asks him to do, he do. I don't think he's God. How to explain that? This is the verses they use. What do you think, Carmen? Why did Jesus say, whatever God the Father asked me to say, I say? Then people say, oh, then you see, Jesus is not God. Jesus is just a man, uh, a parrot. <laughs> whatever God say, he say. That's all. How to answer? Does this, what Jesus said, does it make him not God? What do you think, Robert? What is Jesus talking about? Whatever the Father say, tell me to say, I say. Does it mean that he's not God? What is he emphasizing? True, yeah, there's one way to, to look at it. That whatever he says is always aligned to God and he's God himself. But... It is a fact that he says, I will not do anything or say anything that the Father did not say, ask me to say. Hmm. So it sounds like not God, right? God won't be like that. God is very powerful. How can he follow, just follow? Hmm? You see, it's very difficult. Don't be surprised they ask you these things. What do you think, Joshua? Joshua is smiling. What do you think Jesus was talking about? Alright, the function within the Trinity, God the Father sent him. Alright, so he function means he just within God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in there there is between them there is different functions they perform. Alright? But what exactly is Jesus emphasizing? He's emphasizing his obedience. Okay, you look at chapter twelve. Chapter twelve. Now, verse 26, he says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now, then he, he will say that... Wait, it is... 
you will say that he basically is emphasizing that everything that I come to do, I come to glorify the Father in verse 28, right? Now he says, verse 28, Father, glorify thy name. And he said, then came a voice. Then the Father said, yes, I've glorified it. And he basically is saying that whatever he came to do, he came to glorify the Father and he came to do the Father's will. Um, yeah, in verse 26, it's very clear. Uh, yeah, so he said, I come here to do everything that I do. I came here to do to glorify the Father in obedience to him even to die. The Father asked me to die, I will come and die. Hmm? The Father asked me to die, I will come and die. So he's talking about, I am totally obedient to God the Father. He's not saying that he is not God. He's trying to teach the disciples also, if I am obedient to God the Father, you must be obedient to God the Father too. That is what he's teaching them. He's not saying, I'm not God. Alright? Okay, so, so just like maybe... Um, uh, Mira, right? Mira. Mira. If Mira say, whatever the school teacher asks me to study, I will study. Alright? Then people say, you're a robot. You're not a human being. No, right? You're just simply saying, I am obedient to the school. That's all. So Jesus is simply saying, I am obedient to God the Father. He's setting the example of obedience. He's not saying that I'm a robot, I'm nobody, and then you know, I'm not God. Not at all. Alright? So these are verses that they like to quote. So no difference, it's still the same conversation 2,000 over years ago, today, still the same. Alright, you're not God. Okay, so now, we, we move on. By the way, maybe I ask, ask our friends, how to be saved? The Bible tells us only one way, God's word. Believe what God said. Yeah, only one way. Believe that Jesus is God. Believe that. We are sinners and we must be saved. Only one way. Okay, so now we move to chapter 13. Okay, we move to chapter 13. Now, chapter 13 is very interesting. It's about the washing of the feet. Now, chapter 13, shall we read from uh, verses 1 to verse... Um, verse 1 to verse 16 together. Now, 1 to 16, let's read together and then listen to what God is saying let's read 13 chapter 1 uh, chapter 13 verses 1 to 16 now let's read now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father having loved his own which were in the world he loved them unto the end and the supper had ended the devil having now put into the heart of Judas is Iscariot Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come, God and ran to God. Alright, maybe we stop here. Alright, we stop here. Now we stop here. Now now the scene changes. Now this is Jesus Christ about to go to the cross already. It is that night. Okay? The night that Jesus will be um, crucified. Then it is the night that they have the 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 Passover feast, they come together. What, do, what is Passover feast in, Man, in Cantonese? Do you know? Do you remember? Passover feast. No. Okay. Um, so it's the Passover feast. They gather, the Jews will all gather to eat. Okay, now, here the Bible tells us this one thing. The Lord knew, verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, the Lord knew that his hour was come, he should depart of this world. Means he knew that he was going to die tonight. 
Okay, he's going to die. Then he says, um, and he will go to the Father, and having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them to the end. What does it mean? So here the Bible tells us, it reveals to us the heart of Jesus Christ. All right? You see him always um, needing to um, defend his Godhood. But now it shows us what is in Jesus' heart. And he says he loved his own and he loved them unto the end. Do you know that the Lord Jesus loves you? If you are a believer and he loves you to the end. What does love you to the end mean? That's why I ask question number five. What does it mean that Jesus loved them unto the end? It means that Jesus loved them totally, unreservedly, completely, absolutely. Alright? That he will not change at all. Do you know that this is the love of Jesus for you? He will never change in his love for you and he will love you right to the very end. For the believer. For the believer. Why do, why do you not believe in such a God? A God that will love you without reservation, regardless whether you're famous, rich, good, um, um, good in the eyes of men, or famous, but God said, I love you to the very end. Why would you not want such a God? No God in the world would say that. No God in the world would say, I will come and die for you. None. No other religion that has a God that says, I am God and I will come to die for you. That is this God. Right? So he loved them to the very end. So that is what it is. But I ask you a question here. Chapter, uh, question 5. What is the emerging concept of God loves me? So he said, oh, God loves me to the very end. Right? There's an emerging concept. Emerging concept means there's a new Christian thinking about what God loves me is. Okay? Now, here the emphasis is, all the while is Jesus is God, right? John, uh, Jesus is God. When the emphasis is really God loves me. Hmm? Now, is that the same as God loves me? Is it the same? God loves me. Is it the same as God loves me? Try again, right? Is it the same? It's a bit different. Right? The Bible is always God-centered, not man-centered. What here God is saying that He came to die and God came to die for sinners. That is how great God's love is. It is not how wonderful you are and God loves you. Alright? There is a difference. There is a difference. Okay? Because um, today it's all about God loves me. And they say, don't worry, God loves you. So be happy. Do whatever you want to do. Now, why I want to say this is, we were going through my handphone. Uh, we were going through some Sunday school material, right? So Sunday school teachers, they have books, then they teach children, right? Then, here I, and I was really um, getting quite frustrated that the Sunday school materials now can be very, very, um, very sad what they say. Alright, so now, this is the lesson about God loves, God loves us. God loves you to the very end. Let me read to you. Alright, so this is Sunday school teacher. This is a material they have to teach them. So I have to correct a lot of this. Now it says, 
we, he, in this lesson, we will learn that God always loves us, even when we do wrong things. Hmm? God loves us even when we do wrong things. Alright? Okay, so then, after that, so he tells the story. Then the story is this little boy, the father said, don't climb the tree and obey me. Then the little boy climbed the tree and fell down and broke his arm. Alright? Then um, the father went home. And the question is, and went home, and then the father said, Oh, uh, I am so sorry that you hurt yourself. Hmm? I'm so sorry. Actually, is that how your parents say you tell, don't climb the tree, then you fall down, then you go home, you, you're in pain, and your parents say, what do your parents say? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Ah, I feel so bad. All right? Then the father tie balloon and give, give him a cake. <laughs> No, it's, it's true. I'm, I'm not joking. So, so I didn't take the picture. And then the question to, for the Sunday school teacher to ask the children is this. The question for the Sunday school to ask the children is now, how did Daddy show Michael he loved him? Alright? So the question for Sunday school teacher to ask, how did Daddy show his love to Michael? And then the answer in bracket, um, yeah, it's just, just outside. Alright, so the answer, okay, now is the answer. Huh? So the Sunday school teacher have to give the answer, right? So the answer in bracket is this. So the question, how did daddy show Michael he loved him? Daddy gave him balloons and ice cream and told Michael he loved him. This is what children are taught. Alright, because God loves you no matter what you do. Huh? This is just one sample only. Alright, so children are brought up with a totally new concept of God's love. I do whatever, I sin whatever, God will apologize to me. I'm so sorry. You fell down. And God will buy you things and to make you happy because you, even though you disobeyed Him. So they use a Bible story to tell that. Alright, so it goes on. So they choose the Bible story which is the prodigal son. You know the prodigal son? Means that son who was very, very bad, he told the father, Father, I want to go to live elsewhere. Please give me like a toy chan. Give me the money. And I want to take the money, I don't want to go. Alright? So the story is he took the money, he went and then he fell into all sorts of sins. He had no money, then he had to eat pig's food, then finally he had to come back and ask the father to forgive him. Hmm? So they use that Bible story. Alright? So now they use that Bible story and in here, when the son the this he says this. Now the son says, Oh, father, give me all your money and I want to go to the city. And then here it says this. And the father and the father gave him Okay. Alright. Let's um Okay. So the son asked for all the money, and then this Sunday school book says this. Oh how the father must have loved him. And then but the father loved his son so much he gave him the money. So he said the reason why the father gave the son the money is because the father loved him. Alright? So now, they are, we are, children are being brought up with a new Christianity that even if you want to sin, love is when your father will let you do it. What does the Bible tell us about God's love? Does God love you? God definitely loves you infinitely. You cannot imagine God's love for you. God say, when your father and mother reject you, I will take you up. Whose father and mother will, will throw us away? We cannot imagine God's love. God love, God's love is great. But we must understand what God's love is. Alright? Correctly. 
Understand that? Must understand. Now, what does the Bible tell us about God's love? Anyone? What does the Bible tell us? How does God love us? God will let us sin and let us do anything that we want? No? So what will God do? Huh? Alright, let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Um, if you can help our friends. Hmm? Are you sure? Alright, explain your answer. Mm -hmm. So is God a father that let that love that let us do anything that we want? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Alright, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. You must understand God's love. Alright? How does God love us? God definitely loves us very much. But let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. So Brenda, are you shocked? Were you gasping just now? At the Sunday school? Or no? I thought something was like. Yeah. Alright, so now, now how does God love us? The Bible explains to us in verses 5 to 6. Alright? Okay, let's 5 to 8. Let's read 5 to 8. Let's read together. And ye have forgotten the exaltation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, for faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all the partakers, then ye are bastards, and not sons. Right? Here the Bible tells us this. Okay? Alright, we need to share the Bible. Okay, so, so here, what is the description of God's love in the Bible? God says, as a father, I will love you. But as a father, I will not let you do whatever you want. Alright? I will chasten you. Chasten means I will... I will... Um, you know, I will... I will do that to you. Um, he said, which father won't do that? He said, but if you don't have any um, punishment, then you are like fatherless children. Right? What is God's love? God's love is not... God loves us no matter what we do. We must qualify it. It's true. We are sinners, God will still love us. I think um, that's true. But we cannot say that we keep sinning and God will continue to close one eye and then apologize to you and then buy you balloons and give you ice cream and pretend that there's nothing wrong. Now, why do you think God wants to chasten us? Why? Why do your parents say, you better study hard, huh? You don't study hard, I'm going to cane you. Because daddy and mommy don't love me. Daddy and mommy want to cane me. You're so wicked parents. No, why? Because it's for your good, right? If you're, if you're not afraid, then you don't study, then you fail, then you will be in trouble in life. Children want to play with fire. The parents say, don't play with fire. You play, I will hit your hand. Right? Why? Because he loves you. So understand God's love correctly. 
Why is it so dangerous, this new concept of Christian God's love? Why? Number one, it makes you it is self-centered. It's all about me. God, until when we pray, God, why you don't answer my prayer? God, why? God, why? It's as if you dare to ask your parents, why you don't give me money? Why you don't do this for me? Why you don't clean my house? This new emerging Christian love has made us the center and God our servant. Understand that? God becomes our servant now. What we want, God must, must do. It's a very dangerous Christianity. Understand that. Okay? And the second thing is, why is it dangerous? It paints a wrong picture of God. That God will not judge the world. That God will not punish sin. That God will only want to save everybody. You know what will happen? Many will go to hell because they do not know the truth. They still think that after I get saved, I don't need to... Well, they have this picture. I don't know about, about Christianity in Hong Kong. Um, Christianity in Singapore today um, is like that. God loves me. God wants to save me. It doesn't matter if I continue to sin. Whatever I do, it does not matter because God loves me so much. He don't care what I do. That is a Christianity in many churches in Singapore. Right? Means I don't need to repent. So, there is a very famous pastor, um, same initials as me, right? very famous, very big church in Singapore. Um, his name is Joseph Prince. And he will preach things like, don't, don't preach about sin. Don't tell people about sin. Because God already died for sin. What's the point of telling people about, this, about sin? Understand that? They don't tell people about sin, they will not repent. If there's no repentance, they will likewise perish. Alright, so this is a very dangerous new concept of God's love. God loves you to the very end means God will, God will chastise you so that you come back to Him. Alright, okay, and in other words, we must stop sinning. Okay, so now, okay, I think um, we pretty much um, can't go on. The next part is going to be about um, Jesus washing the feet of these disciples. Do you know that story? Jesus, okay, i just tell you the story and that's what we're going to do the next time. Jesus, he's going to go to the cross, he's going to die. Then he's going to take a basin of water, he's going to take away his clothes and just wear uh, the, the slave clothes. Then he's going to kneel down and wash all the servants' feet, all, all the disciples' feet. Have you heard of that story before? What the Lord Jesus, that's going to be the next one. We're going to learn what it is about. Alright, so the next time we're going to meet to do that, we all bring towel and, and pot. And then we're going to wash each other's feet. So make sure when you come, you wash your feet. Alright? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So don't worry. Come. Alright? We're not going to ask you to take off your shoe and wash each other's feet. But do you know that some churches do that today? Have you ever been to churches like that? Anyone? No? In the US, there are churches that still do that. Alright? Why they do that? Why don't we do that? Alright? We should recover some of these things. Okay, but today we want to learn two important lessons we've seen. Number one, whatever God says is true. It's the only light in this world. It's the only truth in this world. Your school, your wife, all can tell you all sorts of things. But you must understand that God's word is truth. If, if anything contradicts that, which one you choose? God's word. Alright, if people say you come from monkey, but God's word say, no, I created you, then you have to believe God's word. That's number one. That's the first thing we learn. God's word is always true. That's the first thing. The second thing we learn is that God loves us tremendously. You know, God 
intends to save us and we must turn to Him, repent from our sins and ask Him to save us because He's the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And so we learn these two things today. The next time we go, we'll, we'll carry on. We'll do um, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and what it meant, what it really means. Okay? Okay, so let's pray.